turn to Genesis chapter 6, and I'm going to, ask, I'm going to start by asking you this question. How many of you want to please God? You say, that's so manipulative. What if we say we don't? And why would we be here if we didn't? I mean, why would we be at a church if we didn't want to please God? I'm going to talk today about if you want to please God, what you can do, what you need to do. So some of you are already like, hey, I think this is going to be for me. I'm going to tell you right now, I believe this is going to be for everybody, everybody in the room, everybody that's watching on the live stream. Welcome on the live stream. Glad to have you. Uh, wherever you are, this is going to be for you. But, you know, I asked myself this question when I was in preparation on this. I'm like, how could it be possible that a, that a, a human being like me, a fallible, weak person that battles worries and fears and temptation and weakness, how could somebody like me ever please God, the creator of Everything. I mean, have you ever thought about it? How insignificant and little we are? How minute we are? Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I, I, I have, how many of you, I don't want to know what it is, but how many of you ever, have ever done the same stupid thing more than once? Have you ever found yourself saying to God, God, please forgive me, I'll never do it again, and then you do? Huh? And then you do, right? And you're like, I just don't know if God's ever going to be able to forgive me. How many times will God forgive me, Pastor? It depends on the condition of your heart. If your heart is right, he'll forgive you as many times as necessary. Forgives you, forgives your sin as far as the east is from the west. That doesn't give you a license to sin. But a true believer doesn't want to live in sin. A true believer makes mistakes and they sin from time to time. But they're always sorry for it because the Holy Spirit pricks them in their heart. And they're like, ah, I don't like the way that feels. Yeah, Holy Spirit, you're right. I got I to gotta, I gotta get away from that. But I have felt so many times like uh, that, that I am the most unworthy person. Does anybody else feel that way? I'm the most unworthy person on this planet to ever be able to receive the blessings of God. I, don't, I certainly don't deserve them. Sometimes I look back over my life and uh, God has answered so many specific prayers for me. I'm talking about specific things that go back 50 years. Prayers I prayed 50 years ago. And I look back now and I'm like, God, you've been so faithful. And I have been such a dog. And I haven't deserved any of it. And you've done it all. I mean, just everything I have. I mean, you just, so many ways you blessed me. I didn't deserve any of that. But Lord, you know my heart. I always tell him that. God, you know my heart. You know I love you. I, I don't want to serve. There's nobody else I want to serve. There's nobody, there's, I mean, you're it. I mean, you're God. You're it. I, 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 regardless of what I ever say or do or think, if I get mad and say something I shouldn't or whatever, it's never going to change the fact of who I, who I love and who I serve and who I want to be with, God. It's never changed. My heart. I've always loved you, Lord, even since I was a little kid, I loved you. I've always loved you ever since I knew you loved me. I just didn't always show you that by the way I lived my life. But I always loved you. Anybody, anybody else say that? Anybody else ever pray those prayers at a certain point in your life where you're like, God, I love you. I know I don't live like it. Anybody ever done that? Lord, I know I don't live like it, but I love you. But at this point in our life, we've reached a place, most of us or a lot of us have reached a place of spiritual maturity where it's not even a question. I mean, we're past the point. We understand our salvation. We know, we know, that, we know that God loves us. We know we love him. We know we're never backing up. We know he's never turning loose of us. But we still say to ourselves, Lord, I just don't think, you know, in light of how I am, that I could ever be pleasing to you I know you love I mean you love me God you feel sorry for me you created me you know what a dog I mean you know what I am 
And I know you love me, but, but there's a chance that I could actually be pleasing to you? And the answer to that is absolutely yes, and I'm about to show you how. Get your Bible, get your pen, paper. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. God's word says, The Lord saw how evil humans had become on the earth. All day long, their deepest thoughts were nothing but evil. Can you imagine that? Yeah. You know how, how come you can imagine that? Because we live there too. We live in a time as the days of Noah. Where it's continually upon the hearts of people in the highest levels of leadership to do the most evil they can do. In many cases. And the Lord was sorry that he'd made humans on the earth. And he was heartbroken. God was sorry that he even did this and he's heartbroken. So he said, I'll wipe off the face of the earth these humans that I created. I'll wipe out not only humans. This is pretty rough. He said, these people have been so bad, I'm even going to kill the dogs and cats. I'm not going to kill them. I'm going to kill their pets. He said, I'm wiping out all the domestic animals and all the crawling animals and the birds. I'm even going to kill the birds. I'm so sick of these people. I'm going to kill the birds. The birds are like, what'd we do? We didn't have nothing to do with it. We was flying above the whole mess. It don't matter. I'm killing you too. God said, I'm sorry that I made them. But look at the next sentence. But the Lord was pleased with Noah. He's going to kill the birds, Marty, but he's pleased with Noah. And this is the account of Noah and his descendants. And here's this, this right here is what I would hope. This would be my aspiration for somebody someday when I pass away, if you're still alive, and you come to my funeral, I hope somebody says this about me. Noah had God's approval. He was a man of integrity among the people of his time. And he walked with God. If, I would love for that to be said about my life. Would you? For people to say about you that you had God's approval, that you were a person of integrity, and that you walked with God. The walking with God there is the same word that was used when it talked about Enoch. Remember the scripture that says Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him? I love that message. I preached that in here before, been years ago. Enoch walked with God and was not. What's that mean? Enoch walked with God and one day he just was not. Because God took him. He was not what? He was not here. <laughs> he was not around no more. This is the same word that's being used about Noah. God was pleased with Noah because he has his approval. How did he receive that particular description i'm about to give you a short list of things that please god and it'll put you in that category if you're ready are you ready if you're ready say amen you got your pen your paper you ready write them down noah pleased god number one because he honored him and i'm about to show you what that means that's the first thing if you're writing them down noah pleased god because he honored him hebrews 11 verse 7 says faith led noah this is hebrews we're not in genesis anymore now we're talking we're all the way to Hebrews. We're remembering back. We're recounting in that chapter of the, the Hall of Faith chapter. We're recounting what happened in Noah's life. Faith led Noah to listen when God warned him about things in the future that he could not see. 
Anybody ever been there? God ever warned you about things in the future that you could not see? He does that. He obeyed God and he built a ship to save his family. And through faith, Noah condemned the world and received God's approval that comes through faith. Noah condemned the world and received God's approval that comes through faith. Your faith in God honors him. I want you to hear that. Let that sink in a minute. What do I mean by that? The fact that, just these facts, the fact that you believe in him, everybody believes in God. You believe he is who he says, you believe in God, say amen. Amen. All right, here you go. The fact that you believe in him, the fact that you believe everything his word says about him, and the fact that the voice you hear is really his and that you know it proves your faith. Because it takes faith for you to say, God told me something. And most of us don't do it because, first of all, we don't want to ever say God told us something that wasn't God. But a lot of times the reason we don't ever say that is because they don't think they're worthy. God would never speak to them. But God speaks to us all the time if we're his children. How many of you speak to your children even when they're not doing right? Huh? Even when they're grounded? Even when you've sent them to their room and it's dinner time and you say, All right, you dirty little rascal. You come in here and eat and you're going back in there. But you come in here and eat. Because I don't know anybody that really these days that ground their children from food and water. Can you imagine that? I mean, it probably happened in times past. You didn't do right. I'm not going to let you eat for a week. No water. That's it. But today, I mean, we've learned that you get better results if the kid has some nutrition. They might think better. Their brain might function better if they've had some food and water. So even when a kid isn't doing right, you still speak to them. And you still love them. So you don't have to be perfect for God to speak to you. You say, well, God spoke to Noah because he's pleased with him. Because something about him, what we're about to learn, must have been different than me. No, 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 no. Noah was a man just like you are a man or a woman. He was just like us. But God spoke to him. What made Noah different than other people was his faith. The Bible doesn't say that the Lord spoke to anybody else on the earth and told them to build an ark. Probably didn't. But what if he did? What if the reason that we have the account of Noah is because he's the only one that did it? What if there was three or four or five thousand more all over the earth that God said, hey, build an ark? And they just like, ah, that's crazy. I'm not building an ark. It's stupid. It's never rained. But Noah did it. Your faith in God honors him. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, no one can please God without faith. Whoever goes to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's what saves you. Praying a little prayer because you feel conviction is not what saves you. What saves you is believing that God is who he says he is and that Jesus is his son and that he died on a cross. Faith is what it takes for you to believe those things. And if you have faith to believe those things, you have already began to please God. Now, I want you to notice something about this faith. Noah built a huge ark. How many of you have ever been to Kentucky and seen the ark? Dude, you know, do you, do you realize that the place where you stand to get your picture made with the ark behind you is a quarter of a mile from the ark? That's how far away you have to be to get the ark in the picture. 
a quarter of a mile from where you stand to take the selfie to get the ark in the picture. It was huge. Noah built that 120 years before rain existed. A hundred miles from the nearest ocean. Now you're starting to be understand his faith. When God said, hey Noah, build an ark. Here's how you build it. Da, 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 da. And Noah would first of all say, well, wait a minute. Why do we need, we don't even need a boat around here for any reason. We don't even have a, a, an ocean. Faith is what causes you to obey God. You can't just hear, because there's a lot of people. There may be some in this room, God forbid, that are simply hearing the word of God. There's a lot of people that hear the word of God, but they don't ever do anything with it. Faith doesn't work unless you're a doer of the word. It's not just enough to hear. You don't gain God's approval simply by hearing the word. Hearing is what builds your faith. That's how faith is built. Hearing comes. Faith comes by hearing the word, right? But it's not until you begin to act upon the word and upon the things that God is saying to you through the word in faith that you then gain his attention. But there was a lot of people there perhaps around. Noah spent 120 years telling everybody what God had said. 120 years they had a chance to hear the word and all they did was laugh and make fun of the preacher. It doesn't do enough to hear the word. It's not enough to hear the word. You have to be a doer of the word to please God. I want you to understand something. I want you to think about this. Don't, don't you know that every day for 120 years... God actively watched, encouraged, instructed, protected, and provided for Noah. Why? Because he was doing what God told him to do. And that's the key. That's why some of you are here today. Some of you here today said, this past week we didn't know how we was going to pay our bills. This past week we didn't know. God met us in a miraculous way just this week. God did something for us just this week. You know why God did that for you? Because he's actively watching you. He's vested in your life. You have his attention because you're doing what he's telling you to do. Are you getting that? You got to get that. You honor God by your faith and by the doing of what God tells you to do. When you're doing it, then you're just like, it's just like a proud father with his child. When you tell your kid to do something... Sometimes they think you're not watching, but what are you doing? You're watching to see if they will, aren't you? You actively watch. You're vested in the life of your children. And when they do what you told them to do, what does that bring you? Joy. Pleasure. So here is God. You can be sure that for 120 years while Noah is building this ark and people are making fun of him, he has no approval of man. Some of you are more worried about the approval of man than you are the approval of God. That's your problem. That's your problem. 
He's not worried what people think about him. He's only worried about what God thinks about him. And God is actively vested in his life on a daily basis. He's saying, hey, Noah, he's speaking to him all the time. He's saying, how do I get God to talk to me? Do what God tells you to do. He'll talk to you all the time if you're doing what he tells you to do. Why? Because he's constantly giving instructions. Turn here. Go there. Open that door. Take groceries over there. Help that person get some gas. Huh? Say, how come I never hear from God? Because you're not doing what God tells you to do. If you do what God tells you to do, if you'd honor God by in faith doing what he tells you to do, then you'll hear him all the time. If you want to please God, then honor him in everything about your life. Number two, let's take this a step further. How did Noah please God? He obeyed him. Genesis 6, 17-21. He says, I'm about to send a flood on the earth to destroy all people under the sky. Every living, breathing human. Everything on earth will die, but I make a promise to you. Why? Why are you going to make a promise to me, Lord? Because I like you. Because you do what I tell you to do. I watch you. I'm invested in your life. You're my kid. I'm, I'm, I'm with you all the time. All right, he says, what do you want me to do? He says, you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wives, go into the ship, bring two of every living creature into the ship in order to keep them alive with you. There's going to be a male and a female, two of every kind, every type of bird, every type of domestic animal, every type of creature that crawls on the ground will come to you to be kept alive. Take every kind of food that can be eaten and stored. It'll be food for you and the animals. Now, here's what I want you to take. You've heard that part, but here's the part I want you to take note of. Look at chapter 6. Look on down to verse 22. Real simple. Ready for this? You ready for something profound? Noah did this. It goes on. He did everything that God commanded him. Now hang on. I'm not done yet. I want you to look on over to chapter 7. Leave 6. Look at 7. Here's God speaking to him again. Different, it's a different situation. A little while later, God says, in seven days, I'll send rain to the earth for 40 days, 40 nights. I'm going to wipe off the face of the earth every living creature that I've made. In verse 5, so what did Noah do? So Noah did everything that the Lord commanded him. Two times. He did everything. Can, can that be said of you? Do, now, now, now you say, well, I do what God commands me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me, let me clear that up a minute. Do you do Everything. That's the key word. Do you do everything that God commands you to do? How many of y'all know something? Obedience can't wait. Let that sink in for a minute. Because there's some people that are they're waiting for better conditions. They're, God has spoken to them, told them to do something. God gave some of you something to do 20 years ago. You hadn't done it yet. Why? Because you're waiting for better conditions. You're waiting for different timing. You're waiting for a more acceptable atmosphere. But I want you to understand something. When God says move, you got to move right then. You don't get to decide when is the good time. He knows the time. Listen to this statement. Obedience is disobedience if it's not immediate. Let that sink in. You, you, you can't understand what you don't know, and you can't know what God knows. And that's why we spend so much time arguing with God about things. He, said, he put something in our heart, and we're like, ah, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. First of all, I don't know if that's God. Number two, I'm, I just don't know if I'm going to try that or not. La, 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 right? 
you got to trust God and obey now if you want to remain in his pleasure. Steve Riley's an author. He wrote, partial obedience is disobedience. Now, that's how some of you people are attempting to live your life right now. And you don't understand why you're not just, God isn't just blessing your socks off. Now, let me explain to you what partial obedience is. Are you ready? You still there? Wave at me if you're still there. Here's partial obedience. It goes something like this. This is the individual that says something like, okay, I'm going to go to church, but I'm not going to tithe. That's partial obedience. Did you hear that? I'm going to go to church, but I'm not going to tithe. Or, or you say, I'm going to read my Bible, but I'm not going to forgive somebody who hurt me. I'll read my Bible, but I'm not going to forgive somebody that hurt me. Or how about this one? I'll pray, but I'm not going to go to church because I don't need to go to church. Because I can serve God out here in nature. I don't, I don't need to obey the word of God that says, fell not the assembling of yourself one with another. I don't need to obey that. Wow. See, see, I, I, that's that person who says, I love the Lord. I ask him to forgive me for my sin. I don't need to be in that church with a bunch of hypocrites. There ain't nobody but down there. All they want is your money. And don't even go in, I'm not going to go down there to that church with a bunch of hypocrites. Would you rather go to church with hypocrites or hell with them? Thank you, Gary. I'm going to get you a chair and put you right up here. And, and, and we'll tag team because you'll take this on Wednesday and keep on going. Let me tell you something. If you want to please God, you got to obey God all the way. All the way. You don't get to pick partial obedience. You don't get to pick and choose, say, I'm going to do this part, but I'm not doing that part. If you want to please God, Noah didn't get to pick. Noah didn't get to say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start on that ark. I'm not going to witness. I'm just going to build the ark. Or, or I'm going to witness that there's coming a flood, but I'm not going to start building an ark until I get some folks saved. And some people say, well, there's no need me, no, wouldn't be no need starting a church until we have some saved folks. That don't make no sense. There's, uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to witness to anybody until, they get, until I find some folks that know Jesus, and then I'll ask them to be in my small group. What? What? That doesn't make no sense. Partial obedience. James 2.24 says, you see that a person receives God's approval because of what he does, not only because of what he believes. Hear that? So Noah honored God and he obeyed God. And then lastly, this is a big one right here. I'm about to show you something here about a verse of scripture that I never knew. Maybe you did. Maybe you're smarter than me. But this last one is Noah honored God and God blessed him because he dwelled with God. Now, Genesis 9, verse 1 through 3. God blessed Noah and his sons. And he said to them, be fertile, increase in number, fill all the earth. All the wild animals and all the birds are going to fear you and be terrified of you. Every creature that crawls on the ground, all the fish of the sea have been put under your control. Everything that lives and moves will be your food. I've given you green plants as food. And here it goes. You ready for this? I now give you everything else. Up until that point, God hadn't given man everything else. He said, you can eat green plants up to that point. Eat, eat green plants, eat fruit, eat vegetables. Run the gar- work, run the garden. I'm going to come down and visit with At this point, he says to Noah, hey, Noah, you came through the flood. You did everything I asked you to do. 
You've been faithful to me through the most, the most terrible catastrophe humankind has ever known. You've been faithful to me. You've kept your wife. You've been taking care of all these stinking animals on this ark for months. So here's what we're going to do now, buddy. Come on down out of there. Sacrifice to me. Here's you a rainbow. By the way, rainbow belongs to us. It's a, God, it's a promise from God to us. It's a covenant from God to us that he'll never destroy the earth again by that flood. Devil tries to hijack everything. But we know the truth. Here's your rainbow, God. Here's your sign. Here's what God says. Here's your sign that I'll never destroy the world. And he said, and by the way, buddy, he said, you know, you've been faithful to me. I'm taking off the limitations. I'm going to give you everything else. Give you dominion over, over everything. Eat it. <laughs> Work it. Enjoy it. Hands off. I give you everything else. Now, I want to take you to another passage of Scripture, and you say, how does that tie to that? I want you to look at Psalms chapter 37, verse 23. This is a familiar passage of Scripture. But I learned something about this this week that I didn't know. A person's steps are directed by the Lord, and the Lord delights in his way. Know that passage? Everybody know that passage? A person's steps are directed by the Lord and the Lord delights in his way. Now, here's, here's what that means. And I preach this, and you know, that you know this too. Here's what this means. All of your steps are certain, directed, and established by God. If you belong to God, that's your, your word right there. All of your steps are certain, they're directed, and they're established by God. Now, we all know that. Am I right? From that verse, we get that. Am I right? Let's dig a little deeper. All that is true, but let's add something to that. If we do a little bit of a word study on the word a person's steps, figuratively, the word steps there, are you ready for this? Means companionship. If we put that in there, a person's steps, a person's direction, a person's companionship with God. Is directed by the Lord. And the Lord delights in his way. Could it be that God is saying right here. That when we please him. He commits to becoming our fixed companion for life. Hear that? That he takes pleasure in going through our lives with us. When we please him, he directs not only our steps. So he's not just, which we've always heard, he's not just helping us go where we're supposed to go. This takes to another level. He's going there with us. I mean, he's invested in that. It's almost like. Kids that grow up and get married and move away and then the parents follow them. We see that sometimes. Kids moved away. We just can't bear being away from the grandkids. So the parents just move over and be with the family. And it happens a lot of times. This is the picture that God is staying. You're one of mine. I'm pleased with you. I'm going to guide and direct your steps. Oh, but by the way, I'm going to be in your shoes with you taking them. Because companionship here is... We are dwelling together. 
It's not just you now, Vic, who I'm looking at and loving from a distance and saying, look at my boy Vic. No, no, no. God says, no, I'm not going to look at you from a distance. I'm actively watching, providing, promoting, protecting. I'm actively doing that. But I'm not doing it from here. I'm doing it in there. Because you like running with me, so I like running with you. See, God says, I, don't, I can't be anywhere you don't want me to be. I'm about to tell you all something. When you get close enough to God to stop being afraid and start enjoying doing life with him, then you're truly going to live the life he intended for you. The churches are filled with too many people that their relationship with God is simply fear. They're scared of God and they don't want to go to hell. So they come to church and they do all the stuff they do because they're trying to they're trying to somehow be good enough to keep from going to hell. But they've never considered the fact that that's not what God is after. They're walking through life trying to dodge God in fear in hopes that they've done enough to get to heaven. And God's like, if that's what you're doing, you've missed the whole thing. I put you on this planet because I want to do life with you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to celebrate with you. So see, you say, well, I know God, God watches me when I pray. And God watches, he's, you know, he's there whenever I'm in the Bible. And when I read his word and when I come to his house. No, no, no. That's not all the time that God's with you. God wants to be with you when you're eating pizza. When you're out walking around Lake Fayetteville. When you're out in the yard playing with the kids. God says, I, I, don't want you just to, I don't want you just to think that I'm hanging around with you when you're doing spiritual things. I'm doing life with you in the mundane, everyday things. But I can if you don't want me to. If you're, if you're like Adam and Eve hiding in the garden looking for fig leaves. Huh? Some Christians live their life that way. They spend their whole life trying to keep fig leaves sewed together. God said, if you would quit being afraid of me. And love me like I love you and want me like I want you and enjoy me like I enjoy you. This would be an amazing life. In fact, he calls it, ready for this? He calls it an abundant life. That you would have life and have it more abundantly. Abundant life comes to the people that please God. The people that please God, they honor him. They obey him. They dwell with him. So Noah wasn't afraid every time when God came down and said, hey, put a little bit more pitch right here, a little bit more tar. Where at, God? Right here? Yeah, right there. Hey, you need to make some lanterns. How are we going to make those, Lord? You say, you think that you think that Noah had conversations with God like that? He must have. Have you been to the ark in Kentucky? And, the, and, and, and this guy was trying to build this thing thousands of years ago. He's hanging around with God. God's saying, He's saying, you have to cut some big trees, Noah. You're going to cut some. How are we going to move them, Lord? We don't have the technology. Well, I'm going to show you how. Maybe God even moved them for him. I don't know. Have you seen how big the timbers are that make up the framework of that thing on the inside? What kind of a crane it would have taken to be able to move that weight? Noah's hanging around with God on a daily basis. 120 years, they're just hanging around. They're tight. They're thick as these. I mean, they're running together. They eat together. They hang around together. They take breaks together. Huh? Some of y'all are smiling right now because that's how you live your life. You're like, I ha that's what me and God do. And you know what? You're living an abundant life. If that's the life you're living, then you're the one that pleases God. We could insert your name in here. That you're a person of integrity. A person that walks with God. 
God wants to dwell with us. God has given us everything. What's he given us? You talking about he gave us food and air and water? Yeah. Those were the necessities. But I want you to go on past that. Here's how good your father is. Your good God has given you his word. He sent the Holy Spirit. He created the church. He gave you family. He gave you hobbies. He gave you tasks. He gave you all kinds of things to make this an abundant life. Life is good when you do life with God. Life is hard when you don't. Life is hard for people that are following Jesus, but they follow from a distance. People who are trying to live their lives in partial obedience can't understand what I'm saying right now because they're the ones that are coming around saying, man, we can't pay our bills. Man, we're sick all the time. And you say, Pastor, are you saying that the people that that are pleasing the Lord, that they're never sick and they always have money. I'm not saying that's not always the case. But I will say this. The people that hang around with God and they're blessed, they're never worried anymore. They're not worried about it anymore. They remember because they know the word. The word says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. We know that. Those of us, who, those of us that walk with God, those of us that live in companionship with them and are not afraid of God, those of us that walk with God, see, we, we're able to say those things. Because we're not, we're not serving him from a distance in impartial obedience. We're not having to live in fear and covering ourselves with fig leaves. Here's what one, one of the translations says. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes. You know what that means? Grace is his favor, his blessings, and his pleasure. So Noah lived his life enjoying the favor, the blessings, and the pleasure of God. I want that. I want that. I want to be a man like Noah. I want to be said of me the things that the scripture was able to say of him. And I'm finding out that it's possible that I can be. That the reason Noah's story is in the word is so that it could be an example for us that could be ours it's not just it's just not a historical account it's it's for us and so that we can follow suit Noah honored God how do you honor him with his faith he obeyed God how do you do that with everything in his life and he dwelled with God. How did he do that? In constant companionship. And God, when he was so upset with everything else he had created, said, but I am pleased with Noah. So in the midst of a perverse generation, because I'm going to tell you something, it's not any better now than it was in the days of Noah. In the midst of a perverse generation, in a... In the midst of a generation that deserves the judgment of God. We des- I'm going to tell you, I heard a preacher say that if God does not punish America, he deserves Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. We live there. But in the midst of the mess, there's still some of us that are walking around with smiles on our face, joy in our heart. 
We don't care if they call us politically incorrect. We don't care if they make fun of us for what they call Pentecostal. We're not the least bit concerned about what they think or what they say because the guy that we're in constant companionship with tells us he loves us, tells us he's proud of us, tells us he's got us. How many people in this room would stand to your feet right now and say, I want to be like, no, I want to, I want to be a person that honors God with my faith. That means immediate faith. I'm going to honor God with my faith. I mean, it would say, I want to stand it because I want to honor God with my obedience. I, I am ready, pastor. Don't, don't stand if you can't do this. I am ready, pastor, to surrender in obedience everything to God. I have got to quit being partially obedient because my partial obedience is disobedience. So I am standing because I am ready to do everything that God is telling me to do. And then you would stand and say, I want to be in companionship with him. I want me and him to be like this. I want me to be able to say about my life one day what they said about him. That he was a man of integrity, a man of faith, and that he walked with God. That's what I want. If that's you, right there where you're standing, I want you to just lift up both of your hands. You say, well, what do I got to do, Pastor? Is there a list of stuff I got to do? I don't think so. I think you throw up both of your hands right there and you just tell him, I hear the word today. I hear the word today, Lord. I want to respond to the word today. I want my life to emulate that of Noah's. I want what's said of me, what was said of him. 